Welcome, everybody. The Everybody Counts podcast is back. Season seven is here, and we're ready to break down episode one, find out what's been going on. And we also have a special interview at the end of our discussion. We'll tell you about that in just a minute. So if you are new to the podcast, we have several different segments. This is how we're going to run through it. We do a case review, looking back at the events of the episode. Then we have an interrogation room where we ask each other one question each about the episode and get each other's feedback. Our persons of interest segment is where we nominate each of us a person that really was impactful or instrumental in the plot of the episode or whatever reason we give. Then we hit up our evidence locker if there's certain clues or evidence that's been gathered that we want to note. We have a tip line where we ask folks to write in with um, either comments or thoughts or questions about the episode. We already have a couple of those and we appreciate that. And then trivia with Officer Pete. And then after that, we have our interview, our first interview of the podcasting season. And do you remember who who we have up this week, Jay? Some guy. I think he's I think he's on the show quite a bit. I'm not. Is he on a lot? He's in a couple of episodes. I, I think he's been in every episode of the show. I oh. think of the series. Oh, you you might be right. You you could be right. Titus Welliver. Get to hear my chat with Titus, and I hope you enjoy that a lot. We do not. We try very hard not to do spoilers for other episodes in the the podcast portion where we're talking to each other, uh, Jay, Tracy, and Pete. Uh, we'll do our best not to get into any other episodes um, during the podcast, but we do not have that rule for the interviews. So if you have not watched the entire season as you're listening, you might want to hold the interview portion for later once you've seen seen each episode. Come back and, and watch, um, listen to that segment. Just fair warning there for that. So with that said, I think we can kick off our case review what what what's everybody up to when we when we enter season seven episode one? New Year's. A little louder, please. New, new Year's. Year's. Oh, okay, just make sure I got that right. <clears throat> yeah. It's New Year's Eve, the dawning of the new year. So it's New Year's Eve, twenty nineteen. So we pick up only a few months, about four months after the close of season six. So it hasn't been that long, and it's New Year's Eve, and we get a glimpse into a lot of different characters where they are. So Maddie and Antonio is still her boyfriend. You did that on purpose. <laughs> of course. You totally, you totally <laughs> did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got to start somewhere. They are at a very fancy party, Honey Chandler's New Year's Eve party. Everybody's dressed up. And Honey makes a sort of a joke about Harry not being there, saying he's probably curled up with a murder book. But he's curled up with Da-da-dum, the judge. The judge, Judge, judge Donna Sobel. And if you remember, I guess it was in season five when she was the judge during the habeas hearing for um, Preston Borders. Now, I remember at the end, she says, she tells Harry that he's welcome in her court anytime. So there you go. They, I guess she already maybe had formed a fond opinion of him, at least as, you know. A, a fond opinion of him. Yeah. That's yeah. how you're going to roll with it. A fond well, at that opinion. Point, at that point, it was probably a fond opinion of him as a detective. Maybe a little interest. Who knows? But obviously, it's developed into more of a personal interest. So they're at the jazz club, listening to some jazz, toasting one another in the new year. And then we have another party going on. Lieutenant Billet's party. 
now let me just jump in here real quick because okay, I was watching this. I was watching this, and I'm a viewer like everybody else, you know. And I do the podcast, so I look for, I look out for things that the viewers would have questions about. Now I don't know about you guys, but for that scene, I was confused for like <laughs> almost the whole episode, and even up until just now, my question was, were they at the same party or different parties? So I'm glad you <laughs> because I thought they were all at the same party. And I'm like, okay. who is billets to be grabbing stuff out of the bar at somebody else's yeah. house? Like, yeah, she's running the party. At, yeah, yeah, I was no, like, wait a minute. When did yeah. when did Chandler and Billets become buddy buddy? So to clarify for the audience who's like me <laughs> while we react to the scene, um yeah, yeah they're funny. separate parties. Separate parties. We've got Harry and, and Donna at the jazz club. We have Honey Chandler and her guests at her home. Very upscale party and then we have lieutenant billets with her party and she's there with her girlfriend of one year they they tell us and but we have not met her before but we we are introduced to her in this scene and all the basically aside from harry the you know it's most of the the cops and detectives and you know the police force there so we see crate and barrel we see pierce vega Edge, apparently he's doing some undercover work now. She checks in with him. We see Joan Bennett from RHD, and she's wondering where Jay Edgar is. So apparently after all the fallout at the end of season six with um, him shooting Avril, that, that's one of our first clues that he's sort of not necessarily himself right now. She, apparently she hasn't heard from him much. So she um, calls him and wonders where he is. And he's at home. By himself, drinking, smoking. Eventually, eventually he not passes good. out. Yeah, it yeah. does not does not seem like a good scene for him. Just the fact that he's alone, you know, on New Year's Eve to begin with. You know, he gets a call from um, from Joan Bennett. He he ignores that call. Gets a call from Latanya, his ex wife. He doesn't pick up that call. I think he he may already be, but he eventually gets a call from Harry too. So maybe that's when he's he's already passed out. But yeah. He's, he's alone, smoking, drinking, things we haven't seen before, really, from him, and just doesn't seem to be in a great place. So that's a little Yeah, sad. everybody else is partying, yeah. having a good time, Yeah, and he's all by him, lonesome, you know, like... He does I needed, not seem so happy. And yeah, I needed to reach him. through the TV and, like, shake him a little bit and be yeah. like, dude, snap out of it. Come snap on, out man. of it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you immediately want to take care of him. You're like, you want to you want to help him. Um, yeah, exactly. So and then there's another party going on. We, we really don't know these folks, but there's an apartment building. There's folks outside celebrating. There's a, a, a young girl delivering tamales up to the neighbors. You know, very festive situation going on there as well. Well, what do you know? All these events start to come together when Harry gets a call after he drops off uh, Donna at her house and uh, he gets a phone call that there's been a fire at that building. And we, we've seen some glimpses of that already in the episode at this point. So Harry says goodbye to Donna and heads over that way. Eventually we see billets over there. Pierce and Vega are there when Harry arrives, Harry calls Jerry to say, come on over. There's a fire. We got to, you know, there's, there are victims. We've got to you know get on this, but he doesn't even hear you know, he doesn't get any response from Jerry. So he's going solo over there. Who wants to pick up there at the, at the, the scene of the fire? What's been going on? Go ahead, Pete. So you're talking about when the, when the cops are having a discussion, right? About what happened there? 
Yeah, I mean, Harry arrives. He's catching. Yeah, up they're, they're actually where the Jay Edgar guy. is. He says he's sick. He covers for Jay Edgar. Yeah. Um, we see the um the female Stringer Bell. I'm not gonna try to you know disrespect her by pronouncing her name wrong. Be the first one to pronounce the name wrong, but we see her. We see the other guy who's obviously the main player that's involved. He looks at her. He kind of says something in, under his mouth, like he didn't say it, but you you could read lips. And he's like, "Yeah, not me, not me." Right. Right. Like, you know, like, don't look at me. Like, so obviously you see there's something going on with those two. Yeah. I'm sure we'll find out later. Yeah. There's a crowd gathered there and those two characters are there and we don't really know anything about them yet. But yeah, we, we learn later that she's referred to as Bamayarista and that's his name is Miguel goes by Mickey Pena. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> we, we learn more about them later. But yeah, they're, you know, question. She's questioning him. And yeah, like you said, he's like, not me. And yeah, Harry's checking in with the arson guy, telling him what happened. He talks to Pierce and Vega. They tell him that two guys in hoodies pulled up in a dark SUV and threw a firebomb into, I think, a second story window. They're not getting much information from the survivors they've gathered down at the school. But McVitie, the arson guy, updates Harry on the victims they know of thus far. And at this point, they know of three. And Harry's like, there's only two women laying here. Very sadly, one of them is eight months pregnant. So that's actually three vic victims. So it's the mother's girl. I believe her name is Maria. And then her friend that was helping cook the tamales, her unborn baby. And now they're trying to find Sonia Hernandez, the little girl. So yeah, he's searching around with billets. And that's when he uh, covers for J. Edgar. And the arson guy's looking around. And ultimately, they find her at the rooftop um, exit. But she didn't make it out of the exit, through the exit, because the door is locked and she's, you know, clearly died of smoke inhalation. So she, you know, we saw her in part of the episode trying to find her mom. Her mom was trying to find her, but she went up to the top, hoping to escape out of that rooftop exit and could not. So that's just bad news all around. So, and you know, that scene. People go back to 17 minutes and 24 seconds in. That's just after Harry tests the door and realizes it can't be open. Mm -hmm. The look on his face yeah. is the scariest yeah. I've ever seen him. Okay, yeah. Like in all the cases and things that he's gotten emotional about, sure. that look at 1724, mm -hmm. like it's ingrained in my head. Yeah. Made quite right. an impression. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So He's you like, know this is gonna this is gonna be important because absolutely boy, mad. Absolutely He's so Such, mad. So senseless if it was an accident and so just brutal. There's not a word strong of it if you know for it if it were on purpose. So now we're up to four victims. He heads over to the hospital to talk to the apartment manager. That was his, I guess his apartment, right? That uh the firebomb was thrown through yep he's at the hospital being treated but he has had a seizure before harry can talk to him so now there's five five victims um and they just have this really bland description of the two guys and the vehicle so not much to go on it's not looking good it's not looking good so they've got to get to work on it the new day arrives maddie checks in with her dad from Antonio's, just sort of checking base with each other. He's got to get to work on the fire. And so he gets, uh, he picks up Jerry and he, he scolds him like a dad, right? Pretty much. He's like, where were you? You let me down. You know, 
could have worked faster. You know, if you had been there, he's really, you know, giving him the grief and he, he deserves it. And he it, should. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he should, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, that's a tense situation. Your partners, yeah. your friends, you know, you got to give people their space, but at the same time, you can't let them fail and you don't want to see them. Yeah, that's, that's tough, but he's, yeah. he's got to say something. He's got to. Oh, oh yeah. Um, not, what we not, got, Pete? Not, not to point out that Jay's wrong or anything, <laughs> but since opportunity came a knocking, um, I would think at this point, um, with all due respect, Jay, that Jay Edgar and Harry are more than just like um, friends and partners. Mm -hmm. I don't think Harry would have put up with that shit from anybody else in the department except mm -hmm. for Jay Edgar. And I'm talking about Pierce and all those guys. Robinson, I think if any of them pulled the, the stuff that Jay Edgar pulled on Harry – in, in even that even that night on New Year's, leaving him in the lurch the way he did and doing what Jagger's doing, mm -hmm. I think Harry would have cut them loose and been like, I can't work with you. But since it's like a brother to him and it's like a family member to him, I think Harry is, you know, putting up with it as much as he can and trying to help him guide the way. At mm -hmm. the same time, the one of the, my favorite um, lines of the season came out of this, out of that scene when he's like, you're smoking. He's like, I don't smoke. He goes, I didn't say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he didn't say you smoke. He said you were right. smoke smoking. <laughs> I love how Harry clarified that. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. just a, like, that's not what I mean. You know, like a parent. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yep. Just like a parent. So yeah, I totally got the, the dad vibe there, but um, yeah, I mean, they very much have a partnership, kind of a brotherhood, like you mentioned. But Harry does have more experience. You know, he is older, so sometimes you do get that father-son vibe kind of going too, and that's really uh, coming out here. And he brings up the Avril shooting, and Bosch tries to say, you know, it's, you know, it's my fault that you got to that point, you know. And uh, he says, you know, don't give yourself credit, you know, for everything. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of tension in that car. But they get over to where Pierce and Vega are trying to talk to some of the survivors, trying to get some information, and nobody's nobody's talking. They're getting bits and pieces of what may be going on, but people are concerned about deportation. And even though they tell them that's that's not what they do, they're not concerned about that. People are hush hush, and they're also hush hush because we begin to learn that the new manager is just that he's new, someone that's new that's been brought in and trying to get rid of the drug dealers around the apartment building. So, you know, no one, they don't want to talk or speak up in fear of the, the drug dealers, the, the gang that's, you know, running the drugs through there either. So they're, they are um, anxious and nervous on multiple fronts. So they're, they're not getting much information and they go to leave as Harry and Jerry start to walk away. They see this older gentleman kind of just looking at them and like, he might want to say something and they're like, can we help you? Somebody talk about that conversation with Senor Rufo. Um, the first thing I thought when this guy started talking was in about five minutes, we're going to find this guy in a dumpster. Mm, That's a I message know. to everybody else. I'm like, this is, I'm like, this thing, this seems like yeah. a nice man. Right. I mean, you know, Snitches so, get stitches. Yeah. You know, it, it's, know, it's tough because it's the same everywhere you go and it's been the same forever. I mean, so when this guy starts talking, I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, you get yeah, I understand. You get nervous for him. He's actually and even, speaking up. Even he was nervous and he oh, even yeah. was he was hesitating. That's why I'm like, yo, dude, you shouldn't even said anything at all. Because everybody's <laughs> watching you talk and you barely said anything. So what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, isn't yeah, well, that one of those times where you're like, 
I'm not talking to you, but if you meet me around the corner in 15 <laughs> minutes under the uh, umbrella, we can talk. Then. Like, isn't yeah. that when yeah, you do yeah. that? Just, just for the record, it doesn't matter if he went up to him and said, officer, do you have a pen? Can I use it to write a note? Yeah. note? As soon as he said anything to that to that right. cop, yeah. he's already going to be classified as a rat. Somebody talks to cops. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do. I'm just saying in that situation, he probably should have just waited to a different time and picking two yeah. Talks a little bit about it. Tells them that uh, Sonia has a father in Mexico that he's been deported, and they put two and two together and realize that the phone number that Jerry saw, I guess, on the fridge or something, in Sonia's apartment, um, that must be the phone number for her dad. So he's going to try him. But you know, so yeah, they exchange a few words, a couple of hints from Senor Rufo, but then he's like, no mas, no mas. Like he, he can't talk anymore. You know, that's it. Um, no, Moss, I got to go die in yeah. five minutes after the shooting and talking to you. <laughs> so they, they get a little something, but not a lot, but they have something to start going on. So, and as they drive away, um, they see that already, you know, this is the next day, already a memorial of flowers, remembrances, and so forth has been set up for Sonia. So it's obviously impacted people deeply, you know, just so senseless, you know. And then we finally meet the new guy that I was talking about, right? Yep. New guy, Detective Chris Collins. He is with the gang unit, and they're able to meet up with him later and get some more intel about the, the guys and whoever, the people who run the drugs around that neighborhood, Las Palmas 13 gang. They're the ones associated with the drugs there. And Sergio Rufo has already mentioned La Mayarista, that name. He, are, he did mention that to Harry and Jerry. And then... They ask Detective Collins about that, and he knows about La Mayorista. He says her name is Gladys Rodriguez, and there's the line referencing the wire where he refers to her as a female stringer bell. So then that's when we kind of really put together that that woman gathered in the crowd that night, dressed to the nines, that that must be La Mayorista. And he says that she runs the drug trade through there, and that she, you know, pays pays rent, you know, for the for working, you know, for running it in that area and providing protection to the gang. So, you know, everyone's coming together now agreeing that this is a response to the new management trying to get rid of the drug dealers, you know, so they're reacting, uh, retaliating, basically. Would you agree? Yeah. 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 That's what goes down. (laughs) You got to, yeah. And then he goes as far as he asked Jerry about his burrito and he talked, he calls it an ecosystem. He talks about how even those taco food trucks pay, they call it a bite like a bribe to the gangs who then pay it up to the Mexican mafia, La Emme. So it's just like full circle, all related. Everybody's kind of contributing up the chain. So there's so many levels. Now they go to talk to the property management group for the apartment building. And the property management says, um, yeah, they they wanted this new guy to come in as manager and get rid of the drug dealers. And Jerry kind of hints at, well, maybe, maybe you were trying to gentrify this area and the, property management kind of squashes that idea but jerry even wonders if the the new owners could have initiated the order for the fire um, right so you know anybody's anybody's mm-hmm. uh game you know yep. for being the the one who ordered it at this point um and then we also see harry back at the station listening to a 911 call from eduardo rojas the apartment manager and you know you hear him saying that there's drugs coming uh from las palmas 13 uh, Rojas mentions the names of Mickey Pena and he mentions Las Palmas and working for La Mayorista. So we've got all those names and groups 
mentioned now on a you know on a 911 call from the apartment manager so they can go off of that information as well so i mean i think they're closing in on probably the the um motivation for the incident and probably some of the big players do you at this point when you guys were watching do you feel pretty comfortable that they're focusing on the right group of people or yeah they showed us who the who the focus was i mean mm -hmm. it, at the end of the day, it's the the viewers has viewers. I feel like Bosch does a very good job of letting us know a lot more than anybody else knows that's actually in the show at that mm -hmm. point in time in the show. Yeah. So when they show us um, her at the scene of the crime and then him, they're talking about Pena, and then they show they show you who to you know who to pay attention to. So you kind of got an idea. Just like at the party, mm -hmm. they showed you what they showed you which characters were going to be more focused on. You know, even what I think um, what's her name, Jagger's girlfriend or not girlfriend, Bennett. Right. Yeah. Jane like she Bennett. came out of nowhere at the party to go talk to Billets. Yeah. Like to yeah. me, that was them telling us like she's going to be part of this season in more mm -hmm. than two episodes. This isn't okay. a cameo. Like mm -hmm. so I kind of knew from watching Bosch all these seasons and all these years that these are the people to look for. So it's easy to put it together. Now I'm ready to see what really happened and how Harry solves it and saves the day. Saves the day. That's, you know, what, we're that's what we're going for. You know, for me, when we get excited every year Bosch comes back, right? You know, you're mm -hmm. like, oh, it's finally here. Let's turn it on and watch it. And I don't know about you guys, but like the first episode always kind of sets the tone for me watching it, right? And so when yeah. we get to this point in this episode, there are a couple of things that have happened that have already set the tone for this season that kind of get me excited and know what's going on first. Obviously, we know we have a bunch of people that have died. There's there's a lot of emotion and stuff. We've got drug dealers that are somehow involved. But already, uh, what is this is probably like 25 minutes into the episode. It's not mm -hmm. even just the drug dealers. Now, maybe we got some scumbag property managers yeah. that didn't care enough about the, the people. It's more about the profits. And so now, now here's another just added level. Someone else maybe I have to hate in the show. But not only that, besides all the emotion and the anger and the we got to we got to get the bad guys, you go back to the, the taco truck thing mm -hmm. and and Jamie Hector having to say that he binged the wire <laughs> like that. I about died laughing, I, I think, for like 10 minutes. <laughs> like so now I know not only this this season is going to be good because we've got crimes and bad guys and bad corporations. But there's still humor in this show too. Yeah. So I'm like, at this and cleverness. Point, and I, I know call it's it cleverness. For real. It's got to be like 25 or 30 minutes into the episode. I mm -hmm. now know myself like this season is gonna be good. Yeah. Like, I'm, that's just me. I don't yeah. Know. The, yeah. It's uh, very multifaceted. You know that you're gonna. It, it's gonna go up and down and here and a lighter moment and you know it, again like every season it's got all the elements that that make it so special. Well, let's check in with some other folks that haven't necessarily shown up at the scene of the fire and been directly involved in that. Let's check in with the chief. So the chief in June, their baby has arrived uh, prematurely, a preemie, but the, the baby's mm -hmm. doing okay in the NICU. But obviously that's got to be a very nerve wracking situation. They talk about that, you know, there's some anxiety, but they're trying to be positive. They do seem to be supporting one another, which is very important. Uh, in that type of situation. So he, he's got that weighing on him. And then, you know, he, we, if you back up a little bit, 
he, you know, he backed out of the mayoral race last season, felt like that was the best decision. And so we felt like this Susanna Lopez, what he would endorse her and that she would probably win. And that is what happened. She did win, but you know, he associates his endorsement with that and feels like there's goodwill between the two of them. But what happens in, in this press conference? Good. Yeah, it's it's odd. Something feels off. So there's a press conference. The mayor, Susanna Lou Lopez, makes her remarks and then she you know, introduces the chief. She she steps away. She doesn't even stay there for his remarks. She goes to the she vehicle. Leaves. Yeah, what she just heck? yeah. There's no like um combined forces here or support between you know the mayor's office and the the no, she's using him as a punching bag to blame him for everything and absorb. Yeah. He's the sponge for all the all the stuff. So the diverted, yeah. deflected, um, bad stuff gets diverted to him. It's yeah. his fault. His fault. Yeah, it looks like it, it could be that way. So she she just gets out, heads to her vehicle. He's stuck there by himself, you know, at the microphone or podium or whatever, and he starts getting questions from none other than scott anderson from the la times that guy good <laughs> lord that guy he just all is just always shows up right he's always you know what though you know what though you know what though you know what though don't, I hate don't him. even stick I hate up him. for this guy i hate him i hate him i only have one thing i could say about that that i don't there's only one reason why i do not crush the can of red bull and throw it against the wall every time i see him and that's one thing his okay. job is a reporter He's yeah. doing his job, right. but he just happens to have a really bad job He's in a, a really bad area. He's a snake. Well, I He's doing his job, him. though, Jay. Yeah, he is. He's got to make the news, break the news. But I, I don't know that I'd even want that job because sometimes it's not really appropriate or in the best interest to report that news. So you have to use a lot of judgment, and we often don't agree with his judgment. He's also kind of a pot stirrer. You know, he wants to push both angles, get some, you know, some news and now he, he turns up with he already has you know been on social media and everybody's calling sonia hernandez the little tamale girl so he introduces us to that name which we know her name but when you add that sort of i don't know if you call it a nickname but that adds even more i don't know personification to her i'm not sure what the what the right words is but it kind of elevates her even more i know i know like what the you symbol mean. yeah it, it it makes it it makes her a cause that everybody can join yes. on yes it's it's not just it's not just you know uh, you know no disrespect to the girl who has a name right but you know like like the only person i believe that even knew her name was like harry mm -hmm. everybody else calls her little tamale girl so yeah. i mean i i get it i get it but that's that's the personification mm -hmm. that makes her you know everybody come together it's bringing everybody together so yes and, i understand and, what you meant i just couldn't think of yeah, the right word i think kind of and it's having this sort of name little tamale girl is kind of like i said maybe symbolic of the situation and like you said that everybody can relate to and how horrible it was that little tamale girl uh was a victim of this senseless crime i don't um, like it i don't like it okay you don't I have don't to like, like it, it. You don't i don't like, it. like if pete got killed tomorrow right mm -hmm. And they started talking about him as the little podcast boy. I would be pissed. I would be like, no, his I, name I, is Pete. Yeah. And he's, I hear he's a good dude 97% of the time. Let's call him Pete. <laughs> like, Yeah, I'm not saying that I think it's good that they've given her this nickname. 
Um, it's almost like makes it a campaign. You know, I just campaign. don't like it. I think I, it's rude. And I agree, I agree with what you're saying as far as a person is a name and she had a life. She had a mom. She helped deliver tamales, whatever. You know, she, there's so much more about her than, than right. just calling her a little tamale girl. So back to the chief. He, he wanders over after his, his words and talks to Jen Kowski. And he's like, what's up with her? You know, just walking away, dismissing me, you know, especially since I endorsed her, you know, he kind of puffs his chest out or whatever. And uh, first of all, she says, you know, I don't work for you anymore. I don't have to tell you anything or talk to you about anything. And she suggests that his endorsement maybe was not as big a deal as he thought it was. So she kind of shuts him down too. Terrible. She kinda shuts no him down respect. Too. No respect. <laughs> so Herb goes home, talks to his wife, talks to June. He, he's just kind of come to the conclusion that maybe Lopez does not want him for a second term after all. Maybe this was not a, you know, a, a given. And uh, June asked about the police commissioner's board. And right now, Irv says they appear to be three to two in favor of him. So he's kind of leaning on that in hopes that he could still have a second term. But he's not getting the second term vibe from uh, from Lopez. So we'll have to see. Now, Jerry you know, talked a bit about him and he's obviously struggling with the aftermath of, of the Avril shooting, but he also has to deal with the aftermath of the actual uh, judgment on his, on the shooting. You know, what does the force investigation division, how did they end up calling it? And he goes to a meeting that they've completed their investigation. Um, and then he, they tell him it carries with them and they tell them what they have decided Jay, can you talk about what they decided, what conclusions they came to? They came to the conclusion. <laughs> Stop. I was trying to be serious. God dang it. <clears throat> uh, they concluded ultimately that mm -hmm. uh, the shooting was good. However, some of his, I, I forget how they put it, like his tactical, tactical prowess Tac yeah. or something. Tactical. Or, Processes something, yeah, uh, was not up to standard or was not quite appropriate. Mm -hmm. So, the short story is it's a good shoot, just not in the way that he did it. And the mm -hmm. poor guy, he's got to go back to the police academy a little bit mm -hmm. and do some sort of remedial style training so that way. You know, it's a, more of a cover your butt kind of thing, I think, more than anything mm -hmm. else. But how embarrassing. Yeah, he's embarrassed. Mm -hmm. How embarrassed. I wouldn't want to do that. Now, I mean, the good news is he gets to keep pushing forward. This mm -hmm. kind of won't hang over his head except for the ribbing that Crate and Barrel will probably give him for <laughs> having to go back to the academy for a bit. But I guess... And, and, you know, I think the turmoil we're seeing from Jay Edgar, I'm not even sure. Is that really what he wanted? Did he want it to be a good shooting? Well, you don't sure. know. I mean, he's conflicted. I think he's clearly yeah. conflicted. So I'm not sure he knows what to do with the information. What? Yeah. What outcome did he really expect? Did he really want? You know, they, they may not be the same thing. It's, it's complicated for sure. Mm hmm. You guys always put a bitter twist on everything, okay? The only thing I thought about <laughs> during this scene was that they come out with a new police academy movie and the main star will be Jay Edgar. 
Like, come on, that's the first thing I thought about is that he's going to go in there, there's going to be a bunch of clown guys making jokes, and he's going to get caught up in the shenanigans, and in the end, he'll be the hero and graduate, you know? This is, is much is more Steve serious. Is Steve going to be in this as well? But that's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. So you guys I'm are in. all serious about it. Let's have a Police Academy movie, Jag. I'm thinking about the guy who did the, the impressions or the sound effects. Oh, that oh. guy was amazing. What that was, was awesome. Name? I can't remember his name, but he was amazing. Uh, back to Bosch. Back yes, to Bosch. Yeah, sorry, they're they're sorry. leaving the FID meeting. They've gotten the news. You know, Harry's trying to encourage him to say, hey, look, you know, looking on the sunny side of things, like you said, you, you still get to keep your job. You know, yeah, it's a little embarrassing. You'll get through it. And then Lang, who was the uh, one that ter- first took Jerry's statement that night, um, he comes up to him and talks about how he, oh, you got off or whatever. And I think at first Jerry's like almost thinking like, hey, you know, that worked out. But the guy is really mad and angry um, about what happened and does not think it was the right decision. And he calls the shooting an execution. So, you know, he puts a very different spin on it. And of course, Jerry gets upset about that. Um, we also see a scene with billets and jerry she's talking about some lackluster performance from him on the job mm. and of course he thinks harry put her up to it to talk to him about that and he's like no he would never you know come to me about something like that so you know we're seeing all over the place that it's clear jerry's struggling jerry's definitely struggling Poor so guy. uh it looks like at this point that's definitely going to be a huge part of the season for how he's handling all this. Uh, let's check in with Honey Chandler. We saw her holding her party, looking in good spirits. She now has a new client, hedge fund manager Vincent Franzen. So who wants to talk about Vincent Franzen and what his crime is that she's going to defend him on? You know, this this goes into what I was talking about earlier. Again, mm-hmm. first first episode, How's this? what's the tone of the season? Now, here we go out of, again, out of real life, these financier, financial guys that screw over the world and somehow steal billions, whatever. What a perfect client for Money Chandler anyway, right? You yeah. know, like yep. this guy's taking millions from people. He's he's uh, painting. What did he paint to be like gold bricks? I don't Balsa know, wood. I don't know, yeah, some wood. kind of wood. And he's painting it and passing he's it his gold have. bars. Spray paint, no less. Not even a paintbrush, but spray now, paint. Now, admittedly, I was like, hmm, could I do this and somehow get millions from people? Because I could buy some spray paint. Anyway, so anyway, he's a bad dude. He's one of those guys that swindled people out of his money. Uh, he's, he's also, I, I feel like he fits that bill of, He's swine, but he's also a chicken shit and can't be in prison and is scared Absolutely. to death. Absolutely. Um, so now, of course, he's got to have the best lawyer. And who is the best lawyer? You know? Honey Money Chandler. That's right. Yeah, that's what you just touched on that. That He had the boldness, the gall to screw all these people over, <laughs> right. you know, to right. do something so, like, just blatantly right. deceitful. But he's scared to death about spending one night in jail. Just- that, and for real, you have the balls to spray paint wood mm-hmm. and pass it off exactly. as gold yeah. and do all this. Stuff. That, but you can't yeah. spend one night in jail. Listen, yeah. I don't want to spend one night in jail, especially not out in Hollywood. Okay, I'm sure that I don't. However, I'm pretty sure that I could handle that one day. 
and I definitely don't have the balls to try to be like, hey guys, look at my gold here. It's, it's <laughs> my don't touch it, gold. just look at it because like, wow. Yeah, very, very unlikable character. <laughs> so I've, I've written him off already. Seriously. So I, I think we got caught a good uh, glimpse of the everybody counts or nobody counts scene, even in the trailer between uh, Harry and Maddie. But that was that was definitely a good scene. Him giving the explanation about the the pictures on his desk, why they're there, and talking about his belief in everybody counts or nobody counts. So didn't want to leave that out. But um, at the at, towards the end, we see Harry on the phone to little Smiley Girl's father, Hector Hernandez, and then to tie in with those pictures and that talk with yeah. Maddie, he puts Sonia's um, picture under the glass of his desk. All right, let's move on to our interrogation room. Who has a question for the other two of us? Um, I could actually ask you a really good question. So people can think my question's stupid, but I do a lot of layers on my questions and I'm gonna peel it right now. Um, <laughs> Jay Edgar, right? Obviously we know something's up with him and obviously we know that it has to do with him, you know, with the killing. Mm -hmm. Now my question is how much of that is lingering on, I mean, obviously, you know, the effects of him killing somebody rather the person, rather he thought the person was going to draw on him or wasn't, or he, or the person was or didn't, whatever the case may be. It's a mm -hmm. judgment call. I mean, I rewatched that scene a thousand times. It's a judgment call, you know, for, even for a fan, it's a judgment call. But, um, you know, he did break protocol, you know, go in there. So, mm -hmm. How much of the whole thing you think of him? So how much of his feelings do you think are actually, you know, going against the rules of his job, breaking protocol and possibly, you know, m murdering somebody compared to breaking compared to self-defense kill, if that mm -hmm. makes any sense the question. You know, like we know he killed somebody, we know it's messing him up, but how much of it of like, you know, messing up at your job? He made a big mistake. Right. He left his cell phone home. He didn't call for backup. Nobody knew he was there. He walked into the house with no backup at all in a dark. He, you know, and then I, I know. think the I think the thing that complicates it so much more for him is that it was obviously it had a personal element to it. You know, whether he did follow all the protocols or was straight up when you're still involved in a you know use of force like that and you have a personal connection to it that complicates it immediately you know and and how do you deal with the fallout of that when it's not just tactical procedures following the rules when you add that personal component in there well that but that's what i'm that's what i'm alluding to um so now after the whole shooting his mind now mm -hmm. is not only did i you know we saw his dreams we know what he's right. going through and mentally about that but then we also see later on in the episode his disciplinary hearing mm-hmm they discuss what 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 the causes are now i'm sure on new year's eve he didn't know his faith so while he's sitting there drinking and smoking mm -hmm. how much of that do you really i guess to make the, the question simple how much of a percentage do you think like all that other stuff weighed on him compared to just being the killing do you think it was 100 percent the killing that was on his mind like did i kill the guy did i not am i a murder am i not or was right. it that you know what did i do i i broke the you know i i broke the law I did. I kill this man in cold blood. You know, what I mean, am mm -hmm. I going to lose my job? Like, I feel like there's two different layers of stress there. Which one do you guys think is? I really don't think he was really. I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't at all concerned about his job, but I def I definitely think it was more the um, the gray area 
of, of the shooting before itself. Before we I'm hear from feeling. Jay, I'm mm -hmm. sorry to cut you off. Before we hear from Jay, my whole thing comes down to um, I don't think he thought he was wrong shooting him. I think he the way he did it. It wasn't what he did. It was how he did it. Okay. And I think I think that's what's really you know that's not that's not me. I, I, okay, I'm, I agree to disagree because yeah, I, I think it's more the the personal aspect of it, and not so much about the security of his job and how exactly everything played out. I think it's just the fact that there's a personal component and he can't um, reconcile it in his mind. It just keeps okay. spinning around. But that, that's my thought. What about you, Jay? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it has to do with his job and keeping his job. I don't think it has to do with was the shooting legit or not. I, I think, to me, I, I think he killed him, straight up killed him. I don't, I don't think it was a legit shooting. I think he, he, he went in there to do it, but okay, he went in there to do it. He knows he went in there to do it. I think his struggle is is completely can he live with the choice that he made plain and simple because mm -hmm. he knows what he went in there to do and he did it. Yeah, can he go forward? And then and I think it's just can he swallow that pill that he did something that he's usually out there going to catch the bad guys that do. And right. he's got he has to reconcile that in his brain. I think okay. that's I think that's the whole thing. Okay. Okay. All right, Jay, what's your question for us? My my question kind of revolves around Jagger a little bit too, but more so on the Harry Bosch side of things. Again, we kind of talked about uh, father son relationship, partner, best friend, family, however you want to put it. These guys are connected at the hip. Obviously, Jagger is going to have some issues here, but my question is: Do you think it's going to bring Bosch down, and not that he's going to be aggravated, kind of like we saw in the car? Is it going to make him create mistakes? You know, you're second guessing uh -huh. your partner, you're covering for your partner, you're angry with your partner. Is that going to make him miss a critical detail, forget to do something important? Like, is it going to ruin, not even not ruin, but is it going to stutter his own investigation because he's too worried about his partner? At first, I would say, like with most people, it would have to have an impact because you've got that whole other layer of things to worry about, you know, when you're worrying about your partner and the case that there's, that's just more to juggle, but that's with most people with Harry. I think his focus is so, um, just solid, I guess. He's so laser focused. He's not, yeah, that I don't think rails. that's gonna, something like that's gonna distract him. I think that the progress of the case in total could be hindered if, 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 you know, the other partner's not giving a hundred percent. But that's not, I don't think that's because Harry can't focus as well because he's distracted okay. with Jay Edgar. I think it's just if Jerry doesn't okay. pull his weight, that's then it could impact that's fair. That's fair. How about you, little podcast boy? I think I hate my new nickname. No, also, I love it, dude. I, <laughs> also, I, I, I freaking um, love it. I, I think that um, long term, my prediction is, is that this will be a distraction however short term in this episode i have not seen nothing other than one night of you know drinking and smoking and not being on point when you needed to be so far mm -hmm. okay so i'm gonna give jagger the benefit of the doubt episode one we'll we'll keep track of this though because okay. i have an <laughs> <laughs> okay uh my question uh just just curious more curiosity how do you uh i think one or both of you 
were trying to convince me that Detective Collins, our new guy, was going to be a dirty cop. You know, I was saying he was going to be helpful. You guys were giving right. me the right. business saying yeah. he was going to be a dirty cop. Yeah. I don't know how much you really believe that uh, versus just kind of trying to antagonize me. But do you feel any differently about him now that you have actually seen the entire, you know, first episode? No, absolutely <laughs> not. I'll jump in here. Um, okay. So <laughs> season one, I mean, episode one, um, season seven, new cop in the fold, smooth talking, seems to know his shit about the streets. Um, it's been a thing in the history of Bosch when they bring these new people in and they know about the streets. They normally become part of them or involved in them one way or the other. Okay. Um, I, I think right now looking at him, I'm like, hmm, my eyes on him. Episode one, my eyeballs all over him. Because he knows way too much about this. And like, for all you know, he could be the the guy who's telling them, you know, when the cops are coming and when right. they're not. Yep. And yeah. So I don't, He's I don't too like helpful it. from the start. It's the I don't hair. Like him. It's the <laughs> hair. Okay. It's the it's hair. It's the hair. Yes. <laughs> it, it looks slick and, and I don't, it's not greasy, but it looks slick back. Like as if okay. like, okay. you know, it's just something about him. Like I, I just can't pin it. And obviously it's, we know now that it's because he's a cop. But if you didn't know he was a cop and you look at him, you're like, you know, this guy's either a cop or in the game, one or the other. And as okay. a viewer, he's either a cop or in the game, but I know he's a cop. So we'll see how much in the game he is going forward. Okay, sounds like you you agree, Jay, or did you have something else to share? Yeah, no, I, I agree. He's okay. he's a bad guy. He's, okay. he's a bad guy. Okay. All right. Time will tell. All right. Persons of interest. Who wants to go first there? Who's the person that you want to sort of... Um. I'll jump in first because it's actually pretty simple. So okay. my um, short-term answer is going to be they don't – okay, so they didn't show us much of Honey Chandler in the trailer, and I did point that out. Um, mm -hmm. Also, they didn't show much of Pierce and Vega, and I'm glad to see them up and running. Um, very good. So um, – but the bottom line is is that, you know, anything well, – Honey Chandler's not in the trailer, and we know that she's an integral part of the Bosch world, and mm -hmm. we know she's related to Maddie – but they would not be bringing her in with a client um, if it wasn't important for the show. So this new guy, um, what was the, the stock, the stock, bro, the gold bar guy, Franzen, little gold, Victor, Victor Franzen, <laughs> little gold bar boy. <laughs> um, yeah. Scott Franzen, you said Victor, Victor, Victor. Okay. <laughs> <Scott> <laughs> Victor Franzen. I'm sorry. No disrespect. Um, obviously whatever he did, I feel like is gonna have is gonna somehow bring Bosch into the fold and put Bosch against Honey Chandler again, mm -hmm. okay. um, head to head, and that's okay. gonna cause a conflict with Maddie based on you know just knowing that Honey Chandler is that kind of person, and they wouldn't be bringing this random guy in just to show you that Honey Chandler is doing well and still making money. No, they could have did a little, you know, they they showed you that in the beginning of the episode. Yeah. So it's been the first episode twice. Um, I the the guy she's representing, um, red flag all over, and I'm just trying to figure out now in my head. How is he going to be connected to – how are these gold bars and him going to be connected to Bosch and um, Jay Edgar and our crew? Okay. Okay. So that's my question. That's good. All right. How about you, Jay? I'm going with uh, – I'm going with the chief. I'm going with the chief. I feel like Jagger is probably the easy one to pick here, and but we've already talked about him quite a bit. You know, Harry, he's – He's amazing. He'll get this all figured out one day anyway. But the chief, man, you got you got a little baby in the hospital. 
adding stress to the relationship at home. You got the mayor who obviously does not like you, making your job difficult. Uh, you know, I worry about the chief. I'm worried where, what's going to happen, where he's going to go. Will you know? He's he's already kind of a cranky guy. I mean, sure. You you got a little baby in the hospital. Yeah. Your work life sucks. The mayor, who is kind of like your main boss, doesn't like like. Mm-hmm. It's almost like everything's falling apart around you. Like where? What's his cracking point? I guess you know. I'm kind of worried you know, about him. I'm I'm gonna bring this up because I actually thought about this too. Uh, when I'm watching the episode, you know, in the beginning especially, and even towards the end, it's the first episode, of the new season. Where's everybody at? How's everybody doing? You know, what are they trying to show you about these people for the season? How's it gonna go? <laughs> Poor Chief Irvin, um, he's in the hospital with the baby, and then he's getting side sideswiped by the mayor. I mean, if this if this episode is any indication on how the season's gonna go for Big Irv, it's not gonna be too good. You know? <laughs> it's not looking good. It's not looking good. No, You're not right. at all. I mean, I feel so bad for him. So you know, and I, 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 he's all right. He's all right. Gonna be tough. Yep. Yeah. Tough. He's, gonna have, he's going through. He's going through a lot of stuff. I I feel bad for him. I really did. I was like, damn. Well, my person was gonna be Jerry, but um, Jay clearly said that was too easy. So <laughs> I too embarrassed. I know. To do I'm feel now. free. Feel free. <laughs> no, you're right. We we did talk about that enough. So um, I'm gonna go with another one that I had written down, and it's kind of because. Of a couple of things um when senor rufo is talking to the guys and he's all already kind of talking under his breath you know but when he says this name he kind of looks to the side like a side look and whispers la mayorista yeah yeah so when you when you are like that you know you can't even look somebody straight in the eye and say it and then the the of course the unique description from uh detective collins i just you know we didn't we didn't see a lot of her we only we only saw her the once i guess we they talked about her a couple of times but there's a lot of uh just i was a lot of anxiety i think with uh senor rufo bringing up her name so it just there's she seems like she's probably a force to be reckoned with so i guess it's more i bring her up as a person of interest because of my curiosity at when i was watching at this point um good call very similar to to my question about you know who's who, how is this guy involved with you know Harry's mm-hmm. case? How is his yeah. case going to be involved with Harry's and Hunter? Right. You know, like how is it all going to connect? Like right, because you so know there will there, be connections. Yeah, yeah. So so we're looking at I, what I possibly believe is you know we're, we're going to step forward soon enough into the interrogation room. But I mean, obviously those are two major. There was no reason why this guy would have been brought in at the end of the episode if he didn't have something to do with a crime or a case or yeah. Harry directly. But do they do they connect together? Mm-hmm. You know, is 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 she working for him, getting paid by him? You know, we don't. I mean, he doesn't seem like he's smart enough to get paid. But yeah. you know, <laughs> is, does he got something going on? Like, why bring yeah. him in? I'm curious. Yeah. That's why yeah. I understand where you're coming from with that question. Okay, thanks. All right, Evidence Locker. I mean, I think we've been over what we know. We we've heard the names La Mayorista, Las Palmas Thirteen, Mickey Pena, and, and this idea of the new management it being a retaliation against them trying to get the drug trade um, out of the neighborhood anything obvious else that we learned i mean that's about all they have to work with right now is that right yeah 
I just want to throw out there the property management company because mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that they're free and clear here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jay, hopefully in a future episode, there'll be a phone number for the property management company. <laughs> that we can call, call. And talk to them. You know you love to make phone calls for numbers. Jay on does love to make phone calls from numbers shown on screen. I will do it. Okay. <laughs> I, I will do it. I, I guess it's, it's, it's fair to mention, too, the locked door. I mean, yeah. you know, they, they, it's not been established yeah. if that's a mistake or some type of um, planned event. So that, yeah. that's something to note as well. All right. We have a couple things from our tip line. We have one part, from, from at Sister Teacher. Yes. She always has some things to say. So I hope all is well. It is happy and sad to be with all again to talk about Bosch. I'm going to say little and say much at the same time. I think she's talking in riddles here. Who knows? It sounds like <laughs> it. What is going on with Jerry? I'm shocked and confused. I just don't know. This is starting off similar to S to season one, episode one with the death of a child. Except this one was living, had a known family, and a part of the community. Harry and Jerry sounded like brothers arguing. Harry thinks he's other people's fathers besides Maddie. I like it when Jerry told him, you're not taking all the credit. Yes, Harry needs to be reminded sometimes. Well, thank you, Assistant Teacher, for those you know, comments. You know what? I want to respond to that real quick. Yeah, um, She ahead. brings up a good point, And I agree. I agree with her. I think that Harry acts like a father figure to most of his colleagues mm-hmm. that aren't as close to him as Jay Edgar may be, or, you know, like a Maddie is. So my question mm-hmm. to you guys, you know, just to know real quick, do you think that he, he overdoes it and he acts like a father a little bit too much? Or you think Harry's perfect and not, don't change him? <laughs> I think that, I don't think he sees it as much as a father as he just has very strong opinions about what's right and wrong about justice and non-justice. And he has, you know, I think it's just him saying what he believes or what he thinks someone should be doing or, you know, what's right. Um, more, I don't think he, I don't think he, he, he comes out sounding fatherly. Yes. In a lot of situations, but I don't think he thinks of it that way. Well, you Jay? <laughs> I think he's perfect. Yeah. I knew, I knew that. Just was go with that. that. <laughs> just go with that. I could have told you that. He's perfect. All right. <laughs> we also heard from Mike Martini. AKA Bosch trivia guy who gives us great Bosch trivia for the fans every day. He says a lot of things going on in this first episode that stuck, that stuck with me other than the obvious ones during episode one, the beginning, everyone having celebrations during new year's Eve while Edgar is self-medicating with alcohol and cigarettes in his house by himself, ignoring everyone's calls, Bennett, Latanya and Bosch. And then he mentions the conversation that Bosch and Billets were having while going through the apartment looking for Sonia Hernandez. They're talking about, and then the, the heartbreaking scene when they actually found her. Seeing June and Irv in the NICU of Cedar Sinai Medical Center, nothing like a bit more drama to keep the fans on their toes, I guess. And then he mentions towards the end of the episode, June was going to the hospital to be with um, their son, but it was her turn to be with him. And, you know, Irv offers to go too. And she says, no, you just stay here and brood. And Irving replies, what I do best. And he, uh, Mike thinks they're a great couple and so glad that Irving found love again. So I, I have to agree. I think that was a really fun thing when she talked about his brooding. Because, I mean, as fans, we've always thought of him as the serious one, you know. And that's why when we have interviews and hear other people talking about Lance Reddick, how, you know, silly and fun he can be. You know, it, that's why it's, it's so cool because it's such a contrast to this brooding, serious Chief Irving. But I, I, I've always thought that he and June were a good pair. So, 
Any thoughts on what Mike had to say? Spot on. Good info. Yeah. No. All right. He's a good guy. I like him. Yes. All right. Do you have some trivia for us? <laughs> All right. I have one trivia question. And if you know me and thought about the, and while you watching the episode, thought about it and said, I'm going to answer Pete's trivia question this week. You got this right. Oh, if God. you didn't, if you didn't, you didn't get it right. So if you oh. did not pause and count, you did not get it right. Oh, oh boy. God. Counting. I don't like the counting. Okay. okay. Well, go ahead. The answer is nine. Okay. So first of all, let's just say um, shout out to Mike, because if you want real boss trivia, that's actually educational about the show. You go find Mike's trivia. Yeah. If you want some <laughs> stupid question that I'm going to ask, it has to do with boss, but really <laughs> just to trick Jay, Jay and Tracy, then you stay here and listen to this. So in, in the beginning scenes, when he's with the judge in the jazz club, they're playing music. And in the back wall, there are balloons. How many balloons are on the wall? Three. Nope. Dang. Seven. Nope. Now, keep in mind, before I answer this question, the first question I was going to ask before I decided not to count ice cubes was when <laughs> Billis pulled out the, the, the drink. The, I think it was Grand Monnier. Um, how many ice cubes were in the cooler? Oh, yeah. No, but I'm not doing There was that. a lot of counting, and I, I thought even Jay's not going to count this. But I thought maybe Jay would count the balloons, so I gave him a chance because one time he counted the blueberries on a plate. Okay, That's right. I counted the tamales. Did, does that count? Did you? That does count, okay. but it's not a question. Um, <laughs> there were thirty-eight balloons. Thirty-eight. And a oh big number two that I didn't what count. What scene are you talking about? Hold on, I'm gonna with, with the judge. Is it like behind the them at a table or a bar or something? It's behind the. It's behind the music band playing. Oh, behind the band. Yeah, okay. there's only like. Seven. Hold no. on. I gotta find it. Hold on. No, there's a big number two all the way to the right that I didn't count. And then there's 38 to the hold left. On, hold on, right here, right here. I found it. Oh, oh, there's a ton. Oh my god. Hold well, on. first of all, I yeah. was thinking of the wrong area of the room, but I would I'm never... verifying this count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I wouldn't eight, have counted nine, them, so I'm definitely 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Oh, don't get, don't get. He's not counting 15, shadows. 19, that I count. 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. That one side is hard to see. Yep, that's sure what I'm that saying. I had, to, I had to predict that there was a balloon behind that based on the bunches that were before that. <laughs> this is a predictive response. Not <laughs> no, no, I count. I froze it and I counted. We go in depth more. here on this podcast. The answer, to, the answer to the little podcast boys trivia question is. 38. Whatever answer Jay gives you is wrong. <laughs> Tracy, you got it right. It's fair. It's fair. Okay. It's a fair answer. Fair. All right. Yeah, Nicely fair. done. Nicely done. I will say, and I probably shouldn't because then you're going to get me on this, but I do look at numbers. And those jump out at me for possible yeah, trivia, but I don't, too. I just don't do the counting. But I've done it, numbers. I, have to start I just to. figured balloons is that first episode. I throw yeah. a softball at you. You know, if you got yeah. it, you got it. I clearly did not. Clearly did not. All right. Well, this was fun, guys. Next up, of course, we'll be talking about um, episode two next time. But before that, you get to enjoy a really fun interview with the man, Titus Welliver. So enjoy that and join us back for the next episode of the Everybody Counts podcast, part of SoManyShows.com. Yeah. See you guys. See you. Bye. Bye.
I'm here. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for joining me. I wanted to start out with just sort of a, a simple one and then get a little more thought-provoking about the season. But I, I just had to tell you up front that the cardigan sweater is a very handsome look for Harry. And we saw, it, <laughs> we saw it briefly at the end of last season, but then a little more this season. And so I was wondering if you have any intel as far as if that was an intentional shift in Harry's wardrobe or strictly weather related. No, that was an intentional thing. And I had okay. always said, um, you know, over the over the year, I'm a big fan of the I'm a big fan of the cardigan uh, as long as mm-hmm. it's a good one. And, um, yes. you know, and I remember uh, one of the. Uh, other designers, when I had initially brought up the the idea of the cardigan, they went, "Yeah, that's kind of like, you know, it's it's not very hip, and it's kind of like the older guy thing." And I went, um, "Hold on a second. And I pulled up on my phone a photograph of Steve McQueen and Bullet wearing uh, a cardigan, and I went, "And I went here." Yep. And <laughs> she went, she went, literally looked at me and went, "Got it." And I went, "Right." So over the seasons, he's he's been. Um, been wearing those, been wearing cardigans, and, and it became actually it was funny because initially in one of those scenes I was not going to to wear it, and okay. it was it was so cold. I mean, for LA, let's just say at night, sure. it was yeah. really overcast. There was a there was a major marine layer, and it was kind of damp and cold. And we decided to put that place that scene outside, and and I said, oh yeah yeah, get that cardigan, so it's gonna work <laughs> great. out. Great, great. Well, it, it plays very well on screen. So great, great job there. Oh, now, this thank is you. A, a little more in depth, so I, I don't mean to blindside you, but I wonder if you can think of a, like sort of a moment that you've been most proud of Harry Bosch, the character, over all seven seasons? You know, that's, that's a hard one to answer. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of, um, to somebody recently, I said, that's kind of like, asking someone what's your favorite um rolling rolling stone song and it yeah. um it there are there are a lot of moments i find that the me personally when i can kind of step away from myself as the actor when i'm looking at the show at, at the finished product the moments that i relish are the moments where we as the audience see the resolve the resignation in Harry that he's going to do something that he's okay. going to take action. Yes. And I think those moments are always quite palpable mm-hmm. and, and it's kind of like, it's a, it's like the, you know, I, I, I guess if I had to be analogous, I'd say it's like when Harry Bosch says, go ahead make my day. Right. It's one of those things where you, where you get up out of your seat and you go, yeah, because yes. you mm-hmm. see that resolve and you go, you know, and I can speak specifically to one. There's a scene, this is a couple seasons ago, where Bosch is undercover and he's with uh, with C. Thomas Howell's character and they're at a taco stand mm-hmm. and Harry starts asking him about the character of Elizabeth and he says, what about the, you know, the rest in peace tattoo? Right. And then... Tommy Howell's character says, well, you know, the daughter, she, she died and her, and Harry says, did they ever find out who did it? And he says, no. And in that moment, and by design, the camera goes back onto Harry and, mm-hmm. and it's very, very subtle. But those are the moments that, that I think are the stand up in the, in the theater and go, yeah, you know, yes. that's a, that's a, 
because that's a, that's what we're all. I think that's what the audience is waiting for. They, you know, Harry sure. is a is a man of action, but there's a there's a there's a there's a profundity to his stillness that is by yes. design to keep this guy still, so that when he speaks or moves in that moment, that is the thing that generates that excitement mm-hmm. and or that feeling for the audience where they go, he's going to, he, this is where he's going now. He's, yes. And, and, and there, there are, there's a few of those in, in this season. And I think it's demonstrative of the fact that everything that, that we see that occurs in this season is, is a culmination of the fiber of the character of who he is, of who Harry Bosch is. Mm-hmm. And all of these years of Harry navigating political machinery, corruption, greed, personal gain of, of uh, people around him, it, it becomes too much. Yeah. And the bottom line is that Harry has never been a person who said, I'll go along with it. Right. There, but the fact that it relates to the, the death of a child and mm-hmm. an unborn child is, it's too much. It's too much, exactly. and Harry can't. And so, what happens is that we see a, a, a resolve in him. Where, and th- these are the things that make Harry dangerous to to bad people. Right. Uh, you when you when you push him into a corner morally, he's he's profoundly dangerous. He's a he's like a cornered animal. He's like a wolverine, mm-hmm. and the, and that which is that what it, it is gonna. And you know, it's in those moments also that I think the audience goes. Somebody's going to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I always say in those moments, that's what I call the God help his tormentors moment. Sure. Sure. Where, you know, because the, Harry is a deeply tormented guy and a deeply damaged uh, guy internally. And so when that fire gets lit, that's, those are the moments that I feel where we, in, a, in an, an oh so subtle way, Say to the audience, now's the time. Exactly. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, it, it, I think the fans really appreciate the nuance of it. It's not a lot of bravado that you see this moment happening, but it, it is more subtle, like you just mentioned. And I think that that's really powerful with the viewers. So very good. Very good. What about Harry's reaction to Maddie's announcement about the police academy? It feels like he's probably feeling a variety of things at that moment. Is there any more insight you wanted to share on what's going on in his head? Yeah, it's a little bit of careful what you wish for. I mean, okay. there, and I think that that's, that's the hypocrisy of who Harry is mm-hmm. because, you know, when she said, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to become a lawyer, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a level of disappointment. Yeah. Um, Yet Harry, you know, Harry admires the prosecutor. But the problem is that he also has tremendous mistrust in that because, Mm -hmm. you know, his attitude is no matter how righteous these people want to be at some point, you know, they're going to have to pay the piper. And they are they are are subject to plea deals. And I think also coming on the heels of of Daisy's case, Harry is. This just becomes a thing where he goes, oh no 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 uh uh-uh. nope not I'm done I'm done with this at his yeah. own expense he does and the beauty of that is that we see Harry who cares mm-hmm. ceases to care C- 
ceases to care. He goes, I don't care who's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if I get hurt. But the one thing I'll be able to do is, hey, and look at the expense of his own, of his own life. Right. He, he's, he's resigned. And that's, that's, uh, that's powerful. That's, sure. that's powerful. Absolutely. Do you think he has a renewed sense of purpose or clarity at that point? at the end or is it is it still like just frustration up to here i think i think more than anything i see i see a harry who gets pushed over the edge okay mm-hmm. i think it, he gets pushed over the edge and and that's that's that part of harry that yeah that we like that we really like because you know we, we see that he's relentless in his absolutely um, yeah but i think he just gets tested but you know the 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 part of also so that she then reverses it and says, you know, actually, I've 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 applied to the academy. There is the excitement, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's simultaneously he's terrified because sure. he's he's at, he's been out there and he knows what it means. Right. And by, by design, the way that we were able to create that that hole in in Harry's armor. Mm-hmm. was to 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 uh bring Maddie into his life full time. Right. And so that that became the thing that now Harry you can get that someone can get to Harry. You know, you can't if you go mm-hmm. to try to if you go and just try to kill him, you better be good because chances are he's better and he's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. But if a if a person goes after Maddie it's a different, it's a different level of vulnerability for Harry. So now suddenly that, that perspective is completely shifted and we see these things enacted and it's, it, it it all kind of culminates in, in that idea, which is, well, you, you don't really necessarily make Harry vulnerable. That's the, that's the Mm -hmm. misconception Right. That. You're not leverage. You may think you're leveraging him in that moment, but what 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 the bad guys don't ultimately understand or or have the depth is that they're dealing with with someone who's altogether different, and right. who has a skill set of stuff that they don't understand. Bad guys don't know Harry's history, and right. if they even if they if they went to access his file, and it's not stuff that we endlessly talk about, knowing that he's given a good show of himself. In the mm-hmm. first Gulf War in, and in Afghanistan, this guy is a he is a professional operator, and mm-hmm. so now you take him out of the realm of being just a police officer, and you and you give him a very very heightened sense of um, confidence as uh, as a guy whose boots on the ground makes him you know uh, very distinguished and deeply dangerous. Yes. Certainly one of a kind, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, on a, on a much lighter note, the, the cameos and callbacks were amazing. And I know the viewers are just going to appreciate that so much. I'm curious, were there any cameos that you all were hoping for that just didn't work out? You know, I think there, I mean, they're always, I, I, I wanted, I wanted Harry and, and uh, Brasher mm-hmm. to, I wanted to kind of um, have them come back into contact, okay, and and have that, and and that actually played out, and and I I think a more serviceable way to the storytelling, 
okay. which I thought was really, really great. Mm-hmm. It's also my 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 greediness because I love <laughs> Annie Wershing. She's sure. a close friend of mine and I love working with her. And I felt like it would have been it would have been cool to to bookend that. But I think also both of us realized that there was no reconciliation for Brasher and Bosch. You know, she right. crossed a she crossed an ethical line that Harry could never reconcile. Mm-hmm. So there really wasn't a way to bring them to bring them back together. Um, okay. I I um of course uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but obviously the appearance of of Harvey Pounds is yeah. a palpable <laughs> and really fun and kind of a hilarious. Yes. I I I I pitched the guys when we were shooting the, the, the previous season and we knew that this was going to be the final season, I said, God, I really want, I, I, I would, I would love to have a moment. And originally as I had written it was that Harry is going to, he's walking through a glass door, walking through, going uh, to yeah. <laughs> open, open a glass door and pounds is on the other side of the glass door. <laughs> and there's a moment where they, where they see each other and Harry just steps, and opens the door and, mm-hmm. and lets Pounds walk through it. And he goes, fuck you, Bosch. Um, <laughs> right, right. But we, we, we achieved it, I think, in a better way because it, it was a direct, you know, uh, footprint of yes. what, what occurred, which we had mm-hmm. that, that great moment. Right. Um, you know, uh, yeah, yeah you know, I mean, you could really go down the rabbit hole of Easter eggs and things that we, we would have liked to have done. But I think that, uh, sure. I think that Eric and the and and Connolly and the writers really uh, made you know interesting choices that'll be fun for the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, absolutely. Okay. Well, I want to honor your time, but I think this last one will probably be pretty quick for you. We're just asking different cast members if budget were not a concern, what solution would you offer for the station's terrible coffee? Uh, I would say, um, that they, uh, well, this is, uh, this is my friend's company, but I, <laughs> we drink this coffee on, on the, uh, the, the, the cast and crew drink yes. which coffee. Yes. Okay. It's the world's mm-hmm. strongest coffee and it's mm-hmm. really, really good. But I would say, I don't, I don't know if you would want to have, uh, people overly caffeinated. Um, good point. <laughs> and, that, and, 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 and that, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know. The, the the swill of Hollywood Station that these guys are always trying to to, to get past past their gums. But of course, we have we have Mank- Mankiewicz is the key to the church. There, he's got his own yep. little private stash, which yes. I always find that to be so incredibly endearing. It is um, the fact that, that he wants to, uh, you know, that's his calling card of of being welcoming to people. It's it's going to be the Mank blend. Yes, the Mank blend. I love it. <laughs> Okay, mm-hmm. great. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, thank you so much. Always excited, a pleasure. Excited to enjoy the season with everyone coming up soon. So, and we're looking forward to the spinoff. So, lots of good stuff to come, I'm well, sure. All right. Well, you take care, Titus. You too. Have a great day. Bye bye.